The Recap on Top Sport with Michael Abramson. And just once again, your question from today's quiz. Who is the next player in the sequence? Gaston Cirino, Philip and Londlo, Tapelo Morena. See if you know the answer. Has something to do with what happened on the weekend. So that might give you a big clue. Send me a text message if you know the answer or send a voice note. We'll play one or two voice notes towards the end of the show and I'll give you the answer to the quiz question. But right now we're looking back on the Monaco Grand Prix that happened this past weekend. Yet another uh, top place finish for Max Verstappen who now has moved to the top of the charts beating uh, by quite some distance beating his uh, his fellow teammate who had a shocking race but to talk about exactly what happened in Monaco once again we're joined by our Formula One correspondent Prince Ndiweni. Prince wonderful to chat to you again uh, it seems that the weather is playing its part in, in, in Europe Ryan rained out the Italian Grand Prix last week and and certainly had a had an, a huge impact on proceedings this time Great to be back, Michael. I think we're, we're all very appreciative of the weather at Monaco. Um, <laughs> Monaco has the unfortunate reputation of being the slowest uh, circuit on the calendar and usually the sleepiest race to watch. I mean, if Baku is anything to go by being a street circuit, mm. Monaco is sort of a Baku after a bit of a weight loss, so <laughs> to speak. So it, I think we definitely appreciated the rain. It spiced things up certainly and gave drivers a fresh challenge, which, which gives us plenty of drama to be excited by. Indeed. And uh, talking about that, obviously, the decision in terms of which tyres to use, when to time the pit stops and, and all those things, I believe at one stage during the race, half the track was w- was dry and half the track was wet. So really, <laughs> really tough decision t- to make. Just talk us through how that had an impact on the results at the end. Well, it, it definitely challenges the team's strategic calls and their, their sort of layman weatherman uh, techniques. Because, I mean, if you look at the, the first serious reports of what was happening in terms of rain at certain parts of the track. That was around lap 50, lap 51. And it was George Russell who was saying, we've got rain at a certain part of the track. And uh, merely one and a half laps later, some drivers are pitting at that very point to get onto a new set of hards, like Lando Norris was one of those drivers, I believe. And it's just unfortunate for maybe some of the drivers, like with Alpine, for example. Gasly in particular was bemoaning how his team missed time the strategy because teams had a general sense that it would rain. So if you do have an idea of where, where about, when or whereabouts the rain is coming, maybe time your strategy for around that part. But Alpine, both Gasly in particular, seemed to pit too early for the rain and it meant that that pitting onto a fresh set of, I think it was a set of mediums, at the time it nullifies having fresh mediums because the track is soaking wet a couple of laps later. Mm. So it's those sorts of things, I think, catching a team on its toes or not, is what made the real difference. And it, it's shocking because a number of the top teams were caught lacking. I think the only the only team really that was on on par with, with the challenge ahead of them, it seemed to be Red Bull and only with one driver, and that's Max Verstappen. Sergio Perez was nowhere this weekend. Yeah. Fernando Alonso also caught lacking. I think there was an opportunity for them to press a Red Bull a bit more when it came to rain because Max Verstappen was complaining about the condition of his mediums at a po- and at that point, Aston Martin could have pushed Alonso a bit more, but then they decided to pit and sort of take the safe option in, in response to the rain. So it definitely challenged teams strategically. And then another surprise, I suppose we could say, on the podium was the third place finish. Esteban Ocon for Alpine mm. Renault. Uh, only, I believe, his third podium finish ever. So that's, that's quite exciting for him and for the team. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. He, he just, he's he's cemented his reputation as someone who can deliver when the opportunity is around, especially for the mid-pack teams. I mean, it only comes once in a while. So if a track gives you that opportunity, he, he, he's the driver you want there or thereabouts. I think he and Pierre Gasly of similar ability, I would say, but Ocon definitely um, had the ascendancy and had the, the beating of Gasly this time around, both in qualifying and with the race. Very, very sensational performance. But once you've qualified at Monaco, it sort of cements your position. Mm-hmm. It more or less cements your position for the race, and it's just how you manage it and whether or not your strategy is efficient on the day. And and an LP never put a wheel wrong with Esteban. Everything went really well. It could have been a third and fourth or fourth and fifth case finish um, for them, I think, because Gasly definitely was in with a shout, had the strategy gone his way. And had they gone with their feeling of where the rain was as opposed to being safe and, 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 and putting him where the tie last ended, which is around lap um, 47, 48. But other than that, it, not, it takes nothing away from the fact that Esteban Ocon really put the car, um, took it took full advantage rather of the car's upgrades, which have come in, 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 in a incremental phases, of course, from Miami. And I think they're definitely gaining the tent that they promised us back in April just before um, the season made a bit more progress into the calendar. So I think there's only exciting things coming from Alpine, particularly when we when we come around to, to Barcelona, which is the ideal place to have the new upgrades that they have on their car. And that's that's my final question to you then tonight. Not much of a rest for, for the, uh, the drivers ahead of the Spanish Grand Prix coming up uh, very, very shortly. What can we expect there? Are we expecting more of the same for Red Bull to dominate one more time? <laughs> I hate answering that question, Michael. <laughs> Especially where Red Bull's concerned, because it's it, they're just that good. It, it's unfortunate, but they're just that good. You can expect them to dominate at all of the circuits, really. I think the exciting thing to look out for, though, for Barcelona is the fact that a lot of the teams will be more confident in their upgrades and updates, depending on the lingo and how confident the teams are. I think that's the the exciting bit because Barcelona presents the ideal testing bed for these upgrades. It presents as many varieties of challenges that a car could face in a season, which is your high-speed straight, your high-speed corners, slow-speed corners as well. So there's a bit more on offer for the teams to get in terms of data. So lots of them are going to have brand brand new and shiny parts for us to look forward to seeing. And hopefully that translates into performance out on the track. Look forward to you chatting to you in the build-up to that Grand Prix and indeed looking back on it once it's finished. Prince and Dueni, as always, always a pleasure to chat to you and to learn more about the sport of Formula One. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Michael. Always a pleasure.